Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Welcome back to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design podcast. So today we're talking about a really, really important topic that you don't hear about often enough, and that is feedback. First, it's super important that when you are learning to become an instructional designer and you are going through that transition process, that you get feedback on the things that you're creating, the e-learning samples, the design documents, the storyboards that you're creating for your portfolio. So that's the first thing is it is super, super important. And a lot of people skip this process. And we'll talk about that in just a second. The second is that you got to be really comfortable with getting that feedback because when you become an instructional designer and you're working in the field, you are going to be getting feedback constantly. And so not only is feedback important when you're learning, but it's going to be something that you're going to be getting throughout your entire career as an instructional designer. And feedback can be hard sometimes. Sometimes people really don't adjust well to getting criticism, even when it's constructive or maybe they don't feel like it's constructive. And so sometimes it can be deflating to get an e-learning course back from your subject matter expert when you're working as an instructional designer with 100, 150 comments of all sorts, different things that they are wanting to change or things that they've noticed, or maybe you had a typo or could be lots and lots of different things. Sometimes they do have to do with something you did. Sometimes they have nothing to do with what you did. But it can be really deflating and scary, especially when you're new and you don't realize that this is part of the process. And so feedback really is a thread that starts when you're transitioning and goes all the way through your entire career. So it's really important to realize how big of a role feedback plays in everything that we do as instructional designers. One of the ways that I make sure that my members of Applied Instructional Design Academy really, really get used to getting feedback and use it to really help them improve is that when they create samples for their portfolio, and that's a big part of Applied Instructional Design Academy, which is my nine-month career development program for learning instructional design and standing out from the crowd when getting an ID job. And so in that program, we have our members create samples for their portfolio. And so they could be storyline samples, design documents, storyboards, rise samples, lots of different things. All of those samples go through an iterative process with feedback. And so it's not just them creating a sample, they turn it into us, we give them some feedback, and then we don't know if they implemented the feedback or not, but we just give it to them and hope they do implement it. And then they go on their way. No, that's not what it is. Actually, We have a very specific process that we take them through where we give them feedback three times on their storyline sample, for example. And that's really done on purpose. Each time that they get feedback, they get a different level of feedback. So the very first time that they're going to get feedback, 
it's not going to be as in-depth or extensive because their skills are not as developed yet. It's a scaffolded process where the rubric for what we're identifying and what we're giving feedback on is not quite as complicated or as advanced as it will be later on in the process. And that is on purpose because learning is an iterative process. And so it's designed so that by the end, they have a really good solid sample that does not look like a beginner did it. It doesn't look like it came from a newbie. It looks like it was developed by someone who has instructional design experience. And it is really, really solid and in a much more advanced state than the very first sample. Now, if you are in a position where you're doing this on your own, maybe you're not in a position to join Applied Instructional Design Academy, or you've decided that you want to take the DIY approach, that's fine. But I want to make sure that you understand that you still have to go through that process. Now, you may not go through the process of sending it to somebody like my team for feedback if you are not in Applied Instructional Design Academy, but you've got to have somebody that you're getting feedback from preferably an instructional designer, someone that hires instructional designers, or someone that is knowledgeable about what is expected to get a job in instructional design. That's really, really important. And so you have to take yourself through that process. You have to create your first version. You have to get feedback on it. If you don't have anyone who is well-versed in instructional design, even getting feedback from friends and family, it is better than nothing. It's not going to be quite as good, but it's better than not getting feedback at all. And so if you can seek out someone who has experience in the field, that's the best. But when you create that first sample, you're going to get feedback, you're going to implement the feedback, and then you're going to ask for feedback again, maybe from someone else. I would suggest you go through three different versions of your sample the same way that we do inside Applied Instructional Design Academy. Because what a lot of times people do, if they're doing the DIY approach, is they create one version, they send it to maybe their friends and family, maybe they find an ID, they send it to somebody to get some feedback, they implement that feedback and they move on. That's not going to be enough. You've got to go through an iterative process that you have to take yourself through. Now, it's not going to be quite the same because it's not scaffolded in a certain way where you're learning certain things at certain times throughout that process, but you can do as much as you can do on your own, and that's really important that you do follow through with that. Now, I want to talk through a couple of the reasons why getting feedback is so important in the beginning and why you can't just take that sample that you've just maybe gotten a few comments on and just put it in your portfolio, why you've got to go through that iterative process of getting multiple rounds of feedback, even if you're doing this on your own. Now, I want to explain why it really, really is important to get feedback from someone who is well-versed in instructional design. I know that's not always possible for everyone, but I want to explain why that's important because I think sometimes people don't realize why that is so important. They just think that they can put together the first sample that they create and maybe get a few comments from family and friends and just throw that in their portfolio. And I will tell you that I always tell members of Applied Instructional Design Academy that when you look back on that first sample that you created and you're like, ooh, I don't even know if I want that sample to ever see the light of day. And it's not something you would ever be proud of putting in your portfolio. That is when you know you have arrived and gotten to the point where you have a good sample. Because most people, I would say 90%, are not going to have a good sample starting out. 
And so what happens is a lot of people who are doing this on their own put that not so good sample in their portfolio and they never get hired because they don't know what they're doing wrong. And so that's exactly why we take people out of that first sample iteration and keep going to where they have that scaffolded learning and they really get it to a level that we can take them through the process that we provide them. But you've got to have some kind of semblance of doing that on your own, but you've got to find someone who knows what they're talking about. And I want to explain why that's so important. So first of all, you don't know what you don't know. And this is the same for your family and friends who might be reviewing. You just don't know if this thing is going to get you a job. You just don't know until someone looks at it who actually knows. You're kind of shooting in the dark by learning the software and, you know, doing what you think makes sense. And so I always use this example of if you're writing an essay and you know how to use Word or Google Docs or whatever tool, let's say you're not writing it, you're typing it. And so you type up the essay in this tool and you know how to create paragraphs and bold text and all these things. Does that mean that the essay is good? Does that mean it's engaging the reader? Does it mean it's interesting? Does that mean they learned anything if that's the point of it? Does that mean that they actually want to read it? It doesn't. Just because you know how to use Google Docs and you know how to type in it, it doesn't. And so a lot of times people think just because they learn storyline means that their sample is great because they know how to use the tool and that's not true. And sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. You don't know how to make it better. You've watched all kinds of tutorial videos about how to do things from a technical perspective, but you don't know how to make it an actual engaging sample that's going to get you hired. You don't know what hiring managers are looking for when they're looking at a sample. You don't know what those criteria are. And so that's why it's super important that you have someone who knows that take a look at it. The second thing is that it cuts time. So if you have someone who knows about these things giving you feedback, you're going to be able to get to a portfolio that's actually going to get you hired much quicker. Otherwise, you may have a sample that you think is going to get you hired and you apply for 100, 150 jobs with that sample, not getting anywhere, maybe even 200, 250. And then you realize, oh, maybe I need to change something. But you've already applied for a whole bunch of jobs at that point. This may be several months later. It's going to take you a lot longer to get to that next level because I'm telling you, you have to go through several iterations no matter what you do. So if you're putting the first thing in there, unless you're some amazing, like just genius right out the gate, which is not 95% of us, that first one's not going to get you a job. It's just not. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I know I haven't seen all of your samples, but I've seen a lot. Trust me, I have seen a lot. We've had hundreds of people go through Applied Instructional Design Academy, and I've seen the first samples that they create. They're not going to get them jobs. But the cool thing is we get them to the point where they do. But I know that that's what's out there. And so why not cut that time, right? That's why you really need to have somebody who knows what they're talking about really look at that sample. The next thing is that it cuts out the newbie mistakes, So when I look at somebody's storyline sample, for example, any instructional design related or e-learning development related sample that's in a portfolio, I can tell who's new and who isn't because I can see the newbie mistakes. Now, if somebody went through my program, it might be a little different because we cut out those newbie mistakes. So if I didn't know somebody was going through my program and I happened to look at theirs, I might not be able to tell. But for most people, when I look at their first sample, 
I know that they're new. I know that they have no idea what is going on with instructional design because there's so many small things that I catch that you just wouldn't know if you haven't been in this field for a while. You may know how to use the tool. You may have learned how to do triggers and all these things in storyline, but they're newbie mistakes that I'm like, oh, you can tell they haven't been doing this very long. And so hiring managers sometimes, not always, because they don't always know storyline themselves. Many times they pick up on those things. And so that is why going through a program like Applied Instructional Design Academy cuts all that out because you don't have all the newbie mistakes in there. And so it adds years of implied experience to your, whatever we want to call it, necessarily to your resume, because of course you can't fake your resume, but it's implied experience. Meaning I've had hiring managers look at portfolios from people who went through ADA and they think that they have lots of experience, not because the member lied and said that they did. It's because their portfolio looked like somebody who had been in the field for a while And often they were hired because that portfolio represented someone who had been in the field for a while over some of the other people who had actually been in the field for a while, but had portfolios that were not as great. And so it adds implied experience, not real experience, but implied experience to your resume because you don't look like a newbie. When you go through a program like Ada, or you have somebody that really knows what they're talking about and knows not only is an instructional designer, but knows what hiring managers are looking for. And I think that's the key. The next thing is that it really helps to facilitate the learning process by going through this step-by-step approach that you have to kind of figure out how to take yourself through because there's no way to get from that first point to the third point. Let's say when we were talking about how we have three drafts, there's no way to do that on the first one. There's no way to cut it out and just say, boom, I'm going to do the third on my first try. You can't do that. It's not possible. And so this really doing these iterations, the way that we do them in ADA, really facilitates that learning process in a structured way. It helps you get out of that first sample because oftentimes when you create your first sample, you think that's your best work. I mean, who would not want to put their best work in their portfolio? Nobody. You don't have any structured process. You know, if you've ever gotten feedback on something where somebody said, that's a great first try, but it needs to be better. Well, what is better? How do you get better? You don't always know what better means. And so that's why we facilitate a process where we're going to encourage you to go through certain steps that are structured in a way to make you better. Like it's a structure to get you better. And so if you don't have a structure and somebody just says, do better, it's hard to know that. But you have to go through that process because that first one is just not going to be it. And so I think that's a key piece right there is to have that structured process to get better because you aren't just going to be the best the first time you do it. Now, the last and really very important reason that you really want to get feedback is because you need to get used to it. Like I was saying in the beginning, this is going to be part of your entire career, And so sometimes you have to develop a little bit of thick skin. And if you just put a bunch of samples in your portfolio and you don't get any feedback on them, you're not practicing that skill. So when you become an instructional designer, you're going to be getting a ton of feedback. And like I said, your first project, you may get 150 comments and you're like, oh my gosh, they hate me. Oh, this is horrible. And that's not the case. But if you're used to it, if you've gotten feedback for the last few months on the different work that you've done, and you've kind of been able to develop that thicker skin, 
you're going to be able to more easily adapt to what we do as instructional designers. We are constantly getting feedback. This is the process that we put our members through is very similar to what happens in the field when you have an alpha beta gold draft of an e-learning sample. And so that is a process that I talk about. It's actually a couple episodes I've referenced it. One is how the corporate instructional design process is like building a house. And the other one is how the Addy process, something about Addy and Sam, I can't remember the name of the episode right now, but Addy and Sam are instructional design models that go through the entire process. And so I talk about the different versions of an e-learning sample that you have to create when you're out on the job. And so there's three versions. There's the alpha, beta, gold. And so this is a process of doing these three versions that you're going to have to do when you're on the job. And so why not start that now when you're learning? I think that's really, really super important. That's kind of like a side benefit of going through this is that you're really going to learn about how to get and incorporate feedback and not take it personal. But all the other things I said are really, really super important. So I just want you to think about how you are going to create that process for yourself if you are not able to or not in a position or not interested in joining a program like Applied Instructional Design Academy. I just wanted to give you an insight into how we do things inside the program so that you can figure out how to create that process for yourself. So I really hope that was helpful. One thing I wanted to mention before the end of this episode is that we are going to have a cohort of Applied Instructional Design Academy starting towards the end of May. And that cohort will actually be starting on May 30th. And it is an extra bonus cohort that we added because we had a lot of people say that they really wanted to wait until the end of the school year before they started. And so they didn't want to start with our April cohort. So it's going to be a smaller cohort that we've added on so that we don't have to have people who are interested in starting wait till September. And so if you are interested in joining Applied Instructional Design Academy, you can check out our website. We've also got a contact form on our website. You can get more information. You can set up a call. We also ran what we called the ID Transition Binge Fest, which is a replay of the videos that we ran in April for our Jumpstart Workshop. And this is for people that are interested in getting into instructional design and want to know what the process is and what's involved and what you need to know and the roadmap to get hired as an instructional designer. And so if you are brand new and you're trying to figure out if this career is right for you, it was a free workshop. It was about an hour each day. In April, we did it over five days, but we actually, we ran the videos just this last weekend. However, if you missed that, the videos are still available in our Facebook group. And so if you want to go watch some free videos that I did, where I packed a lot of content in, definitely could have charged for these videos but I'm not. I'm giving them to you for free. If you're not sure, if you're thinking, I don't know if I want to join Ada. I don't even know if this career is really what I want. And I really want to learn more about what's actually required. Of course, you can listen to other episodes in this podcast, but you can also go and watch all the videos from that workshop. And they're going to be coming down on May 29th. And so if you pop into my Facebook group, Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career, it's the same name as the podcast and you go into the guides section of that group, we'll have a link in the show notes. You can definitely watch those videos once you get added to that group. 
there's no sign up or anything like that. You just have to go into the group and go into the guide section. And so that is another option for you as well to be able to gain more information and really help you as you transition. So I hope all this was helpful today and I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.